Hey there, and welcome to Decolonized Parenting and Other Dope Shit. <clears throat> so thank you for being so patient with us um, and waiting for us to come out with an episode. Uh, this episode, we are going to be recapping an amazing conversation that we had that was hosted by the Popolo Project, a nonprofit here in Hawaii um, that promotes, talks about the Black experience in Hawaii and also promotes um, Hawaiian work and um, peoples. And it's, it's an awesome organization. I can't even speak enough about it as a Black mixed girl who grew up in Hawaii and not having that representation so really excited on uh for this org they're new so you know it's slow starting but this black august has been lit so far um and so they uh you know we kind of kicked it off with this talk with Piper um about birth sovereignty and resilience and in the context of black august and with what's happening right now on Mauna Kea with the Kia'i, um, the protectors, um, it's really just kind of um, a synchronicity, right? Like all these things are happening at the same time in the world and now is a great time to talk about these things. And one thing always talk about and something that she introduced me to is that birth is everything. The way that we birth is the way that we live is the way like really it is like parallels to everything else we do in life um and so that was something that we talked about um at this uh talk on this this last saturday um and so it was a really great conversation and we had all these notes typed up we had like a manifesto um of things that we wanted to touch on and keep the conversation on and it ended up just being a great like organic flow um on its own with the with the people who showed up um so but there were a lot of things that we didn't get to talk about right um just that's how things happen and we had all these great notes that we didn't necessarily get to use and so because our first episode wasn't working out we had this awesome opportunity to have a great conversation and we have notes <laughs> uh, so Piper and I were able to come together and expound a little more on how for us birth sovereignty is absolutely related to black liberation absolutely related to decolonization um, to what's happening on Mauna Kea and and how that you know and how it's all connected right how it's all related so we hope you guys enjoy this episode and thank you so much for joining us as are interested more in the Popolo project and Dr. Akemi Glenn and her work we'll have those links for you guys in the notes section so check that out if you want to see more of their work if you want to check out Black August here in Hawaii on Oahu it's amazing they've got a lot of great events planned for the rest of this month and we of course will have a link to um to help support the uh, Kia'ai, the protectors on Mauna Kea. So check out the notes section for all those links for you guys to learn more. Let's start recording. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, you guys? Hello. We are so glad to finally be doing this. Right? Should we read? I'm Shalay. I'm Piper Lovemore. And this is our podcast, Decolonized Parenting and, and Other Dope, dope shit. shit. We can't, unfortunately, our podcast will not be descript- 
distributed if we put that byline <laughs> in our actual uh, name. So, so but y'all know, and you will learn that there's definitely plenty but. of dope shit popping <laughs> in these conversations. Today, we're going to kick off with a conversation about um, birth sovereignty and resilience. If any of you caught our teaser, you heard Lay describing what that's about. And it's a topic that really excites me, us, because yeah. birth nerds. <laughs> <laughs> but also, um, just because those things are so intrinsically connected in my personal experience and observation. And I don't hear a lot of people drawing those connections. So it's, I'm happy to, to go there. Um, Where should we start? Well, <clears throat> I do want to start by saying that this conversation probably won't center um, the reference points that you might be most familiar with, and so just take it in stride. You know, some people we don't really realize how much birth and our birth stories um, imprint imprint on our soul, and sometimes it people turn away from the conversation because they find themselves triggered and aren't really aware of where that's going. So I just want to offer, invite you to like check in with yourself as you journey through some of these ideas with us. Stretch, take some deep breaths, get outside, smoke a bowl, do what you need for self-care. <laughs> it's a podcast, you can come back to it later. But stay with us and really, you know, I want to invite you to like actually contemplate some of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we, uh, we wanted, this is also like piggybacking off of... Um, Black August, the platform that Dr. Kimmy Glenn created for us via the Popolo Project. So we just wanted to shout that out um, because it is Black August and it's lit. (laughs) Yeah, it's awesome. I actually, I had honestly never heard of Black August until the Popolo Project um, started doing it here a few years ago. And then I, you know, learned the history of it with the Black Panthers, um, you know, and the brothers and you know how it was a a way to grieve and celebrate you know the people that have literally put their lives down you know for black liberation and all all types of other liberation right even in decolonized movements there are people you know who have died in the name of their land or their people um or their cultures so that's uh that's what this month is for (laughs) you know it's just incredibly Um, apropos i mean grieving and celebrating Mm -hmm. all of the black mothers, the black birthing people who've gone before us, those who are victims to this completely racist and fucked up obstetrical system that we have going on in the U.S. right now. Um, But, you know, there's this unbridled joy that comes Mm -hmm. along with that parenting transition as well. So being able to hold space for grieving and celebration is the perfect backdrop for this Mm -hmm. combo, don't you think? Yes. Why spaces like this are needed, right? Because I definitely see this embodied in the the black and indigenous spaces I'm in online, right? Mm. Like we we hold space for the women whose stories may not end as happily or go the way they planned, and we also hold space for the beautiful stories that women share with us, right? I mean, everyone's story is beautiful, right? It's everyone's story is different, um, and you know, unique and beautiful in its own way. Um, but I feel like, especially in my black and indigenous groups, those are the spaces where all of these things are being held, mm-hmm. right? Like, no one's being shunned for sharing one experience or another. 
Well, yeah. you know, it's interesting because people can, it, it almost sounds trite to say, but everybody's experience is beautiful. <laughs> but when you consider it in the proximity of liberation, you really do make that connection. It's not necessarily the material of the story, mm -hmm. the check marks on the beauty list, as much as it is recognizing it as a, an aspect of someone's personal unfolding. Yeah. And that, that piece, that component being beautiful as the part to the whole. Yeah. You know, and there really is mm -hmm. just a profound, like, grandeur about opportunities like that in life, I think. Yeah. So, yes, definitely. Um, so, the title was Birth, Sovereignty, and Resilience. So, shall we talk a little bit about what sovereignty even means? Yeah, sovereignty, resilience. I know you got the definition. Yeah, <laughs> this is okay. I totally just Googled the Merriam-Webster definition. I was like, all right, let's see what, let's see what we're working with. Okay. And there was a lot. There was a lot more than I expected. I learned some things. So, the first one was one possessing or held to possess supreme political power or sovereignty. What's the, I mean, are we allowed to use sovereignty in the definition of sovereign now, Merriam-Webster? <laughs> when did that happen? <laughs> what is sovereignty? Sovereignty. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're going to skip on down to definition C, which yes. says an acknowledged leader. Okay. And, yeah, okay. I mean, yeah. I've always taken it to mean, like, having supreme say. Yes. You know, being that's... the end-all, be-all word over something. Absolute. Yeah, and that's one of the definitions. Oh, yes, it show is. Supreme is another one. Yeah. Unmitigated. I Ooh, like that. Right? I like that. <laughs> Having undisputed ascendancy. Paramount. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you get where we're going with this. Or, and where Miriam's... <laughs> where Miriam has led us with this. Um, and basically, being in complete control. And I... I really don't like necessarily putting it in those terms because I try to, to minimize my use of the word control in the context of birth. Um, and so I realize now that Miriam did succeed in avoiding that and I just did it to myself. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like that's what some what people can relate to, you know, like having, having control over what their surroundings are dictating and what's happening to them in that mm -hmm. moment. Or at what, least their choices. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so that's sovereignty. So what does birth sovereignty look like? I think that it extends way beyond just the moment of birth, though I feel like that's where people's minds go right away. Yeah, but it's definitely the whole pregnancy parenting journey. You know? yeah, yeah, and honestly, like, like non-pregnancy, if that's I mean, where yeah, you go like, with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. A reproductive freedom, supreme mm -hmm. reproductive authority yeah. over one's body to me is exactly. birth sovereignty. Yes. For sure. So, right. I don't want people having babies. I don't want to have babies. That's not cool. Like, <laughs> you know, like you don't want the baby. The baby didn't ask to be here. It's mm -hmm. not a good situation. Oh my God. And we can have a whole podcast on that conversation yeah. because there's layers to that one. I'm sure. Many. <laughs> but if you think about the original, like, you know, the Webster definition, it's usually related to some sort of political um, power that they're that they're exalting. Or that is, you know, the most supreme. And so um, that is basically colonization. That, you know, having that supreme authority and then being able mm -hmm. to exert it mm -hmm. is colonization. Because if you got it in your own hood, that's just, it's all good. Everybody recognizes yeah. that hierarchy. But once you try to expand and um, express that, then you are 
colonizing. Yeah. So it would stand to reason that sovereignty is essentially antithetical to colonization. So we are coming at the conversation of birth sovereignty from a very decolonized perspective, mm -hmm. feeling like restoring ultimate authority over one's reproduction. About that. Um, so we were talking about decolonizing birth. Um, and what does that mean to me? Um, I guess for me, it has meant stepping outside of the white supremacist patriarchal systems. So, um, you know, um, I don't think that everyone experience of decolonizing, but I don't decolonize those spaces necessarily when we're in them, you know, have a decolonized experience of pregnancy or birth. Um, I know like in Canada, they've, you know, integrated the indigenous midwives, um, into the prenatal care. So I'm not familiar with it. I'm not, you know, um, I'm not sure about rules and regulations. But, well, that's why I like yeah. the idea of, of sovereignty as the antithesis or, you know, sovereignty as decolonization yeah. for birth. Because you're right, it's going to be different for everyone. And I honestly think, as challenging as it might be to, to feel, I think that you um, can participate in the, in the obstetrical system and still be actively decolonizing your birth experience. And yeah. sovereignty is that access point. Yeah, like, exactly. I'm choosing these things, and that this is what I feel like I would would like to have. Yes. But I've reclaimed my power in this, and so. I think uh, I made the wrong turn. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, listen. <clears throat> we started, and then because we are mothers, we got the call to come and collect the churns, and we are working through this little transition as we drive. And this is important to us that we sh that this be a part of it. We intentionally didn't like rent office space and childcare <laughs> because this is what it is y'all yeah. <laughs> and let's decolonize that too we just make it happen the way it needs to and the babies are a part of that so yeah ho hope if you are a parent okay. as well i'm sure that you are already adept at navigating conversation around these type of interruptions and if you're not then this is a great way to get a leg up on village life right. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> So yeah, we're talking about um, sovereignty, right. so, and I guess what you say kind of uh, helps us segue into resilience, right? Mm -hmm. um, I definitely think you know that use to you know we use sovereignty as an endpoint to decolonize spaces, and we have to be resilient in that, right? We can't um, we have to be consistent, <laughs> and I guess. Because I, I don't see resilience as strength, right? Necessarily, mm. um, it's I guess it's a type of strength, but fortitude. Fortitude, you know, right? It's it's a long game kind of thing. And I like the I like the yeah. distinction. I like that you don't feel like those are immediately synonymous because it doesn't feel like strength all no. the time. Yeah. Being resilient sometimes means like weeping on the floor and right. then just. Somehow managing to keep breathing, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it's definitely a long game thing. And I think that that's an also incredibly re relevant to the conversation around birth and parenting because right. your experience can be what it, you know, go any which direction really. And 
recovering from that, healing from that, integrating that experience can feed your sense of sovereignty, can imbue your sovereignty with some commitment. Yeah. And that is resilient. And I mean, what is more resilient than black people? Exactly. Exactly. Um, Yeah, so I feel like that one almost goes without saying. Here we still are um, as black women, you know, reclaiming birth in so many spaces, in so many ways. You know, the fact that the Black Lives Matter movement specifically then went on to target black maternal mortality, you know? Hello, Um, yes. (laughs) Because hello, yes. Because mothers. Because where would we be without mother, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So it's, yeah. Uh, all of it is relevant and um, I think something that is really important is that decolonization is critical, is key to black liberation, right? Mm -hmm. That I think we must decolonize in order to fully liberate ourselves um, from these mentalities and systems and all these other isms, right? (laughs) Well, yeah, and birth is really just that opportunity. Yes, and birth is such a great jumping point for so many people. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, because it's such a transformational thing, right? It's such a big thing, and there's a lot of stuff you don't know you don't know, mm-hmm. you know, when you become pregnant. Um, about yourself, so about, yeah, about, about the system, about the way the world works. I mean, it really yes. is oh such a microcosmic. this way. It's such a microcosmic like encapsulation of the dynamics of culture, and really births vary and reflect the cultures wherein they take place. Um, and so, I definitely agree with what you're saying there. Like that's what we, and that's what you said. I think in our teaser, right? We birth how we live. Yeah, exactly. Right, birth is everything. So when you're decolonizing that, you there's a whole lot of juicy tidbits to deal with. Um, and I think that if we are to examine birth in a contemporary American model, we understand that it is broken. I mean, you know, if anybody is taking any, like, glances at statistical information around birth in the U.S. right now, and just our global ranking... Um, among developed countries, it's obvious that there is something that's not serving the population of birthing people here. And so, as is often the case with anything medical, women of color, specifically black women, have the the most damaging effects with negative outcomes, right? So our statistics are the absolute worst. Yeah. And that is that resilience piece Um, you know, since we got into this fucked up situation, then you know that there are options outside of the current system that might get you through. Mm -hmm. And that little bit of curiosity, that little bit of deductive reasoning, I think is stemming a a huge wave of change in in the birth community. We are birth workers, so we see it percolating right now, just the groups that are swelling with membership Mm -hmm. and the conversations that are, are really thinking very forward yeah but i'm looking forward to seeing this reverberate out through our communities more yeah i definitely see more and more people trying to at least wanting to learn you know about uh 
natural <laughs> birth. Um, I, I prefer the term physiological birth, um, right? Allowing your physiology to do what it's meant to do, Absolute. what it's supposed to do, um, as opposed to natural. Um, because I'm not sure. I've seen a lot of variations of natural, right? right. <laughs> so it's um, just one of those catch-all yeah. terms. It yeah. works the same way with food. Like, what the fuck does natural even yeah. mean anymore? Right. I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> you know. Um, but I think that's kind of an important piece, right? That you talked about, though. That sovereign birth doesn't necessarily have to be a home birth. It doesn't necessarily have to be with a midwife, um, right? It's you being in control of your choices, right? And um, and making choices from an informed space and saying, yeah, this is what I want. Um, and you used, um, who was it, Posh Spice as your example, mm. right, with her elective cesareans. And I thought that was a really interesting choice, but you were, you know, you were talking about from her perspective and her reality, that was the best choice for her and she was happy with her choices and the outcomes. Um, and, you know, so I guess that was the best thing for her and she was at least she was sovereign you know in those choices she was able to yeah. make those if you reason back from those spaces you imagine someone who thinks that their direction really identifies with mode of delivery and then imagine forcing them to have something of, of a different extreme mm -hmm. you know and imagine the impact that that would have psychologically yeah like it regardless of how beneficial it may seem physiologically mm -hmm. um, the, yes, we the cannot mental aspect divorce of birth is so important. the psychology of the yes. birth experience and yes. this is what we're getting to about its transformative power yeah. it is absolutely a profound physical transition and as such it really gives the body you know um, a saturation of hormones and biochemical statuses that really provide a platform for a tremendous shift yeah. but there is absolutely a psychological component of that and so basically what we're saying is it creates a flow it creates a status of fluidity it, it really is a setting where you can like transmogrify your beliefs <laughs> and your body your whole yeah. thing it's like a download and upgrade at any particular time at, or at the time of transition of birth yeah. um, you can't divorce that. And that's one of the absolute chasms in modern obstetrical care in the U.S. There's, yeah. We're just now paying lip service to the possibility mm -hmm. that postpartum <laughs> depression might be a thing. Or, right, or influenced by your birth experience. Right. Like, um, well, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, actually, you might be onto something. Right. Like, that's what I feel like the fucking science is right now. Like, huh, well, gee, you've got a point there. I'm like, wow. I mean, I it, it's <laughs> kind of funny because this is, this is another reason why I love birth as a decolonization point. Because once you get through, like, that, once you pierce that veil... Everything is up for grabs. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly it's like, really? I mean, even the, the very mechanism of science, like the fact that they are so behind in, mm -hmm. in yeah. see, attributing value to things that mm -hmm. indigenous communities have known have for Have always ever. kept sacred, right? Oh so, gosh, Mauna Kea. Yeah. So, and I mean, that <laughs> is decolonization, right? Is getting back our sacred things because they have been they've been colonized, they've been destroyed. They mm -hmm. have literally been killed and pushed underground so that another culture could thrive in its right. place, right? And we've been forced to assimilate to that and then commodify and like weird coon back our culture mm -hmm. and or buy our culture from them, right? Mm -hmm. Like 
representation oh is such a weird thing for me. It's <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. True. I mean, and right, and so we see that in birth with tons of practices now that are becoming yeah. really trendy and being reclaimed. And it's it's a double edged sword. Like we do yeah. need to reclaim a lot of this information for the betterment of birthing people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is to find it sold back to you when you feel entitled to it. There are definitely some spaces that are really proactive in trying to level that love. A lot of spaces make their information readily available and free Mm -hmm. and then just sort of want to profit off of deeper, you know, deepening your knowledge or of creating access points for you to profit Mm -hmm. from that knowledge, which makes sense to me. So anyway definitely a lot to unpack mm-hmm. here should we pause here i'm gonna grab a yeah, baby we're gonna get that and baby we'll be back. <laughs> where were we um decolonizing we were talking about decolonizing birth um we had talked about sovereignty resilience all those access points we were talking about the system science <laughs> right we went everywhere all the things yeah like you said a lot to unpack Yes. Do you want to look at our notes real quick? <laughs> <laughs> um, we have some interesting stuff to explore about capitalism and how it relates to this whole conversation. But, of course. But I'd like to get th- back to that in a little while. Okay. Um, I first want to explore privilege for a moment. Okay. I definitely feel like that's an obligation that we, that we that yeah, we need to do <laughs> if we're, we're laying this here framework. Um and you know both of us are women who have chosen to free birth which i think to me um is probably an extreme for most people when considering decolonizing birth yes um and so we we get that we're not necessarily promoting that for anyone for me it's really important to promote sovereignty over any specific mode of birthing right that's what this episode's about exactly and that's why it feels so true to us um but I do want to just address like some of the privilege that I had around the birthing conversation growing up anyway, and how that created an easier proximity to really decolonizing in an extreme way, my birth experience. Um, and that really s- makes us want to talk about birth culture. Yeah. And so I don't know if anybody really, or how many of you have really um, considered what your birth culture is not anybody i'm sure some of y'all already on that i don't mean to sound (laughs) like we invented the shit but i'm just saying but i do think that that's a really great place to enter this conversation um looking at what your birth culture is Mm -hmm. because a lot of people think what what are you even talking about i don't have a birth culture yeah what is this and i I think everyone does you don't make it out of growing up in anywhere without having some birth culture Without right. having some, some ideas permeate your subconscious. Yes. Exactly. Yes, exactly. So, mine happened to be really positive because um, my mom, I think, actively decolonized her experience through her births. She had three of them and started off with a very heavily medicated birth um, to the extent that they medically wiped her memory of the whole experience. Mm-hmm. And then all the way to me, who was born via midwives in a completely unmedicated context in a birth center. So understanding the, like, the arc of her experiences and um, her as a woman and how she really embodied those choices just kind of became the backdrop to a conversation I didn't even really know I was having as a young yeah, person right. beyond just how did we get here and what was that like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so by the time I was preparing for my first 
birth, I knew for sure that I would choose midwives, mm -hmm. and that's already representative of a, of, of a paradigm around yeah. birth. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely that idea of you know, growing up and not even knowing, right, what, what you were being imbued with. Like, I... It had been so normalized in my family um, that I really... I didn't really think about it, right, until um, I was shown the the documentary, The Business of Being Born, and, the, you know, when they really contrast mm -hmm. these different ways of viewing birth, um, uh, you know, that this fear-based narrative that a lot of people grow up with and hear um, or, or experience, you know, themselves or their mothers, you know, grandmothers, um, and growing up with those stories, you know, whereas you and I have grown up with more positive stories, um, and seeing, you know, personally, I've seen all of my younger siblings born, um, mm. you know, my mom had, um, almost all unmedicated births, her last birth was an emergency C-section, um, but, you know, but still, <laughs> you know, growing up with that, That's going through amazing. all her pregnancies with her, wow. you know, um, yeah, and my mom has had way more than five pregnancies, too, but, like, she's, been through a lot um but like you said she actively worked with her providers to have the experiences that she did mm -hmm. um because even in her day family birth was not a thing right mm -hmm. she wanted to bring the whole crew all of us were at every birth and that was not right people mm -hmm. always usually leave their kids with grandma or grandpa or aunt you know or babysitter while mom and dad go and have the baby and then bring them home mm -hmm. and my mom was like nope <laughs> not having it um, because she recently shared with me a memory that she had when she was very young of going up to the window outside the hospital because they weren't allowed in. Wow. And waving to her mom and the new baby. Wow. Right? Like, yeah. And so only her dad was allowed in. So he went in and was like, hey, they're at the window, you know, and that, that was their first way, you know, to see the new baby. And, you know, to contrast that with me literally seeing my siblings come into the world, you mm -hmm. know. Um, so, yeah, you know, and then to us now, free birthing. And, free birthing, you know, family, family birthing. birthing Absolutely. It, yeah. Absolutely. So that's definitely an area of privilege for sure. Um, and I also feel like, you know, having had a, an extended education and parents who had medical backgrounds are probably also significant privileges just because I felt um, somewhat less intimidated by the whole medical institution than most yeah. people seem to feel. Yeah. Uh, it felt really familiar as, you know, part of my just reality growing up. I knew lots of medical professionals. I knew them to be fallible humans and not some sort of, you know, located place that deserved a pedestal above my own sovereignty. Mm. Yeah. Um, those are just notions that we have to contend with. And I see a lot of this coming up with the populations that I serve. So I really wanted to address that because I want you to understand that you can claim your sovereignty from wherever you're entering this conversation. Yeah. Um, you don't have to know the medical lingo. You don't have to feel confident in debating your provider. You don't have to do any of that. <laughs> you can just walk out if you're not feeling what you're, right. if you're not feeling honored and completely yeah. centered in your care. Um, yeah, so definitely wanted to say that that is another part of that, of that birth culture that comes along with these stories, right? We just knew the stories of the births or had mm -hmm. seen the births growing up. Mm -hmm. But as we grew into adults, I think that we were able to see 
um, the the motivation for sovereignty in our mothers that advocated mm -hmm. for those spaces, knowing that they were not necessarily the standard of their day, yeah. and knowing yeah. that we had that power to take up and that we could do definitely. that. Definitely, yeah. So that's definitely a really important piece. So I, I really encourage you to consider what your birth culture is um, in today's day and age as a birthing person, but not just as someone who is going to give birth or who is supporting someone giving birth, just in general, as a citizen, as a community member, yeah. as a village member, because the way that we hold space for views around birth affects the, the health of our village. Yeah. There are going to be some birthing people and there's going to be a future generation coming forward and birth cannot be divorced from like we spoke about, mental health, physical health, and thus also community health. So it's important for you to come at this conversation understanding that your sort of mental space holding is holding space for the unfolding of the next generation, whether or not you choose to directly right. engage in, in the process of giving birth. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So do examine your birth culture. Think about what beliefs you've adopted or have seeped in to your foundations. I think that for most people growing up in the U.S. at this point, there is fear there. Even people who are sort of like birthing from a decolonized place are usually actively examining fears that come up for them. Um, and I, I do feel like that's cultural. I definitely feel like there are cultures that understand and have reverence for the profound transition that it spells, but do not associate that with fear, but rather opportunity or rather a whole bunch of other things. I don't know. I can come from one of those cultures, but I see it, you know, I can imagine. Um, but, you know, so that's okay. Like, look at your birth culture and then sit with that fear. Think about why it seems scary as hell to you to give birth, or it seems scary to think about your sister having a baby, or just why you think birth culture, you know what, nah, let me just see what's on Netflix. Like, why you don't even necessarily want to have those thoughts. And understand that that is a structure within your birth culture, that that sort of taboo... Um, and like pejorative taboo too, right? Because it wasn't like a salacious taboo that makes you want to learn more. It's more like mm -hmm. a ew, messy, right. for some people cool. gross, um, period adjacent, so already exactly. we ain't going there. Yeah. Also sex adjacent, so no, but like not the fun part of sex type of thing, but more like for some people it's been presented as the unfortunate consequences of sex, right? Mm. The penalty for sex. So lots of reasons why we don't necessarily have even an interest in exploring birth culture but yes. even there have some negative residue that has just accumulated around the thought right yes get into that, that. dig right. into that <laughs> get, get acquainted because why is it even there like you don't need that on your mind you don't need that right. in your exactly. subconscious where did that come from yeah where, where did that come from take a step back decolonize that little mm -hmm. that little bit of questioning and see what you come up with i'm super curious that was your little guided meditation to decolonizing your birth culture. Um, actually, oh, idea. Anyway. Um, yeah, gosh, all good stuff. That taboo. And do, do we want to jump into the capitalist part? I mean, I feel like that's a lot. That's a definite logical next step. Yeah. Right? Because right. where did it come from? 
<laughs> Didn't you just ask that question? Mm -hmm. I don't know that that's where it originated, but that certainly is a supreme reinforcer in yes. today's day and age, yes. right? Because the more afraid you are of it, the more you are likely to consume to make yourself feel more confident. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Definitely. Yeah, right? Consumer culture. We, If we have that thing, then it supposedly will make us safer or better or whatever. Or, right? Um, and I definitely... I Honestly, I see that a lot with this whole doula and midwife movement. Right? Woo! So on, we're just going to dive right in, people. I mean, we're just going to go straight there. We have to decolonize it all. Keep it focused. Okay? I love it. Because... <laughs> and I guess... I, I feel like I shouldn't have to say this, but I will that we're not attacking individuals, right? We're talking about systems. We're talking about these institutions that exist and force us to, you know, make these choices that aren't really choices, right, in these systems. Um, yes, and we did warn you guys, so yeah. if you need to stretch, right cool. now would be a good time. <laughs> but, you know, this whole that, you know, everyone needs a doula, you know, you must have, you should, you know, you must have a doula, especially if you're birthing in the hospital, um, kind of thing. But it's so, I mean, and I do hear great stories in hospitals because I do think there are great hospitals that are baby and mother friendly, mm -hmm. but in the hospitals that aren't and aren't interested in making those changes to willingly go to, you know, um, and these women are, you know, like arming themselves and the doulas are like, okay, we're ready to put up this fight, mm, right? Yeah. It's like birth is not a fight, right? Like mm -hmm. birth is about surrender. Whoa. <laughs> so, wow. Like, you know? Yes. Like, what? Very um, much that. But you know, it's it's a vulnerable time. It's, it's not when you should be having your guard up, right? That usually leads to worse outcomes. Um, so why I just I question when women willingly put themselves into systems you know that they know will probably cause them harm but then that comes back to this whole illusion of choice thing right and that and that the is their only option and with conditioning right. they believe it's their only option or you know, I don't know. There's so many layers to this. So that doula piece, we can't just leave that hanging in the wind because no. that was definitely a zinger. And I feel like that that's a really interesting and sometimes difficult conversation to have. I mean, I've been a doula for over a decade and I, I really love the work, although it is tiresome. I'm committed to, to holding space for women in this paradigm. I will say that I don't know that it's the most active decolonization work that I've done. And so I understand why you might have that thought. Really, the, the hospital paradigm sort of represents the, the pinnacle of capitalism around birth, in my opinion, mm -hmm. because they really do profit largely yes. off of delivery. Like, it's, it's one of the most profitable aspects of any given hospital. Or hospital that's not subspecializing in some other exactly, management. Exactly, right? I mean, that's um, the history of L&D is that they figured out how much money they could make. So, mofo and ching, okay? So. And so, so that is entirely um, the setup. And then I think that doulas are almost an incarnation of one level of trying to decolonize maybe not even trying to decolonize maybe just trying to reclaim maybe trying to reboot and prepare for decolonization 
But birthing people started to figure out that mm -hmm. they were not that their best interests were not necessarily always being centered. Yeah. That that in this institutional birth paradigm, the center is going to revolve around the institution. And that's not always necessarily meant to directly harm, but it's just the status that it is, right? It's just, it is what it is. And so having an advocate for yourself can help to bring you back into center focus. Like I can go and I can try to get closer to this place of surrender while I have a bodyguard physically yes. guarding my yes. body so that the institution doesn't just wreak havoc, but instead stays a little bit in check and does what it's supposed to do yeah. for me while I give it all my money. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's sort of where the doula conversation is, or, or and certainly the motivation was is really positive. But we, you're right, we can't really disconnect that from like the the capitalistic portion. I see women all the time talking about how they can't afford a doula, yeah. how their birth plan yeah. changed or their life has changed drastically during pregnancy and how they don't feel like they can afford it. Mm -hmm. And this is an interesting segue to a to a conversation Shelley and I have been having around lack and sufficiency, mm -hmm. which we definitely need to loop back to at some point. But um Right, because it directly ties to capitalism. Yeah. It directly ties to capitalism and also like women's perception of not being able to afford a doula yes. can be a little bit challenging as well. But mm -hmm. you know, should they need to have to take on that extra expense? Right? <laughs> not necessarily. I don't yeah. I don't think that that is Right. I think part of decolonizing birth is decolonizing what birth support looks like, right? Mm. Why do I have to outsource or pay someone to support me? Hmm. Why can't wow. why can't my sister support me? Why can't my mom support me? My grandma, my auntie, my cousin, my neighbor, my bet. What's why can't that person be my doula? I mean, maybe <laughs> they know? can, but have they but exactly, done the work to decolonize the their own too, perspective? Are know? they emotionally available for that bandwidth? Exactly. Yeah. There's definitely labor involved in the yeah. birth support, and you know what's interesting? Yes. While we're talking about it, I do think that like for birth workers who do this consistently, who put themselves as that buffer in that space consistently. There is definitely burnout. There is mm -hmm. definitely an emotional toll that is taken. If it was your auntie or your sister or your cousin, would they have that same accumulation mm -hmm. of, you know, of that psychological burden? Maybe not, because you know the energy flows slightly differently in those types mm -hmm. of obligations, um, and it would be more diffuse as well. It wouldn't be so much work piled on, you know, perfect, yeah. but it would be distributed. But you know what? It would also be chalet. It would be demonstrative of a community that has a different attitude exactly. around birth exactly. thus probably not as exhausting so yeah it would yeah you know people I feel like in that paradigm of community care you know the hospital wouldn't necessarily be utilized as much for birth yeah. anyway right yeah. if we're caring for one another if we're making sure that She's getting the food and the rest that she needs for her mm. pregnancy so that she has a healthy pregnancy oh, what? and good outcomes. She's getting what? Right? <laughs> uh, then we'll have better birth outcomes. We'll have healthy mothers and healthy babies. Oh, my gosh. You know, and thriving communities. Thus, you know, when we take care of each other, great things happen. I'm just saying. And birth is everything, um, y'all. Yeah, you know, and that, I guess that ties to that idea, right, of lack and sufficiency, where you really, you have to believe that you have what you need mm. in you, around you, the mm. people, you know, that you are living or loving with, you know, like, it, 
even in circumstances of lack, you can still have this mindset. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not wealthy. <laughs> I'm, you know, like, I definitely say we're about poverty line. Um, I'm a stay-at-home mom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we we could not afford our midwife, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but we decided that it was something we wanted. It was important to, to, enough to us to try and make it work, right? Um, and, and then after that experience, having been supported to be sovereign, honestly, and all those choices, mm-hmm. we were like, well, now we've been through that experience and we realize how little is actually needed, <laughs> honestly, right? Like we had already done a very bare minimum, right? Cause everybody's always like, well, what, what do you do at a home birth? Right? Like well, you don't have this and this and this. So how can you possibly be giving birth? I don't know. <laughs> but... Um, so to already do a home birth with, you know, and then we were like, oh shit, we don't even need, we don't even need all of that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, I guess I always tell women like you only need what you think you need, honestly. Right. Like it's so true. (laughs) Your birth is yours. So what you know, what you need Mm -hmm. best, right? Like I know that I need less people in my space. Mm. Maybe you do need a doula. Maybe you do need that person, Mm -hmm. you know, and, but only, you know, those things. And that's even a like a sovereign way to participate in the capitalistic ideas around birth and parenting. Mm -hmm. If you want that shit, go get that shit or try to, or find ways to it, Mm -hmm. but you don't necessarily need it. And just understanding that can shift your focus from, from lack to sufficiency, right? Like, um, wait a minute, let me check in with the fact that really I feel, you know, oppressed by this item that I don't have. But do I need it or do I just want it? Yes. And, yes. and I, I feel like there's a lot of empowerment in, in that, you mm-hmm. know, like realizing, oh, dang, I actually was able to, I was just fine without it. Yeah. Or, okay, well, you know what? I really was able to manifest that thing that I needed. Um, and I'm glad I have it. <laughs> and I'm glad I have it yeah. and I'm going to use it. And then, you know what else often happens there? I'm going to use it and then I'm going to pass it along. Right. Yeah. Because somebody exactly. else might need it. Um, you know, I really love what you said about being supported in the sovereignty with your first Mm -hmm. birth. Um, cause I do feel like when we're talking about this whole capitalistic thing, I don't want to make to devalue birth workers and birth work at all. (laughs) And, and I think that that was something amazing about the particular midwife that you worked with. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is central to, to her perspective on care to um to really fortifying that woman's or that birthing person's sense of sovereignty Mm -hmm. and letting their care be really driven by self i mean i've worked with her for years and i and i appreciate the way that she does her work and still have chosen not to avail myself of her birth support specifically services yeah um just because (laughs) to me the sovereignty is about being dolo or with my family yeah but there's respect there it's mutual Mm -hmm. respect there there's not some sort of aim of hers or imperative of hers to like impose herself on our choices you know and Mm -hmm. she's able to support birth in that way too and so that is to me a valuable thing and for someone who's in the process of decolonizing their views around birth um you know it can be amazing to work with a midwife Mm -hmm. who can really help you to understand how to center yourself to demystify the whole medical process yes. around it. Yeah. I personally, spoiler alert, don't really believe birth to be a medical event. And so that is one of the huge pieces around decolonizing that you can do if you're trying to distance yourself from the concept of institutional birthing. Um, 
but there are aspects, you know, it does relate to our physiological well-being and it can really help to work with someone from a wellness centric model who is comfortable helping you to understand more mm -hmm. about your total health and how it relates to birthing. Yeah. And I feel like if you have someone who can support you mm -hmm. doing that and feeling sovereign in the process, Definitely. that's amazing. Doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that you can afford them, but it doesn't, but it does not mean that they lack value. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're, and that's yeah. that piece around community centered care that would be yeah. great to dig further into. You yeah, know. and I find that most right midwives and, and doulas are and birth workers, right? They're community workers. They are really a part of the communities that they're working in, um, because I mean that's a, you know it's such an intimate part of people's lives, right? To be a part of is their pregnancy and birth, um, and you know so they I feel like accessing them is part of community <laughs> care, and it's a because you're it's a totally different paradigm of care from the Western you know obstetric model. Well, this is a place, another opportunity for us to point out privilege. We live here in Hawaii, and we have a very different model around midwifery currently in this state. Yeah. It is in flux. It That's is true. in the process of being revamped. <laughs> yes. There was a long battle for midwifery sovereignty that has taken a, a significant ding recently, but there's still progress being made. And that's important to recognize because I do feel as though capitalism has crept into even midwifery practices and other sure. spaces. Yeah. Um, and that is really what that is, is colonization trying to wring yeah. its its slimy vines right? around <laughs> something that is so yeah. sacred. Defend what is sacred, you guys. Yes. Mauna Kea. Um, exactly. You know, it really, uh, you can see the way that it influences the practice. And what bothers me about that the most, because I really, again, don't have any problem with people being formally educated, if that is what makes them feel the best about their care. The challenge for me is creating an inroads for the medical establishment to impose restrictions on what birth keepers are allowed to yes. offer their clients. Yes. And what that does, I'm not really concerned about the restrictions on the birth keepers as much. I'm concerned about the restriction of options for birthing people. Exactly. If you are birthing, if you support sovereign birth, then, you su then the central focus there is letting the birth person be the supreme authority in their scenario. I know. And having... <laughs> See? This baby girl is on it. She's like, yeah, I'm not feeling that at all. I know, right? <laughs> I don't like that. We don't like that. I know. Well. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, I'll take that though. Take that milk pill. Okay. <laughs> and so, you know, so we, so there are, again, many layers here as you begin, as you work through decolonizing your birth process or, or your views around birth, there are some easy catch-alls. Midwives are a great place to start, but may or may not be completely be untainted by this whole climate that we live in, by this birth culture. Again, nobody makes it out completely neutral <laughs> there <Yeah>. are definitely <laughs> components that just you know you seep in through the air that shape viewpoints around this yeah. um, the good news is resilience you know we were talking about capitalism and how it influences the things that you might buy the accoutrement of parenting and there are so many dope things people just make. I think I saw a post in a thread recently about using a t-shirt as a cloth diaper. Yeah. Hell yeah. Right. If you haven't hey. been there, I mean, you haven't that necessarily happens. touched a piece of your resilience that you deserve <laughs> to reclaim. And that might that's not just for the cloth diaper heads. That's for anybody who has suffered a blowout right. and Ooh, been no unprepared. <laughs> no way. Make that shit work. 
No yeah. pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I know. You see that here? Yeah. Um, right? That's, I'm. yes, that's part of the resilience that we can seemingly take nothing and turn it into something, right? We use our resources to fulfill our needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, and that's part of this Black August and part of what's happening on Mauna Kea, you know, like you just said, uh, this defending of the sacred, um, and, and using our resources. Like they literally, it was a protest that has now turned into an entire community and university. Like, okay, cool. Childcare, everybody's fed. Yes. Like there's a whole, you know, system. There are medical, you know, people. Um, it's amazing. It's so incredible. Um, and a testament to our resilience in spite of right like if you know anything about the history of Hawaii right like that there are still people standing there are still people fighting Mm -hmm. right like after everything um you know is beautiful um and and inspiring and part of what we want to celebrate right um and it's I guess it, it makes me really hopeful, right, for the future, right? Because I'm like, if they can do that for this, this small moment in time, like, imagine the nation we could build, right? Like, imagine the communities we could build if just this small group of protesters has done this. Mm-hmm. So, and I feel, yeah. I feel like we're rising across the globe as well. Like, and there are so many um, movements of indigenous yeah. resistance. Yes. Right now, it's really inspiring. And I feel like, you know, reclaiming birth sovereignty is a movement of indigenous resistance. It's happening yeah. cross culturally mm-hmm. yeah. um, that is going to influence the next generation in ways that are so powerful. And probably we're seeing some of that now. Probably some of these folks at the forefront have been on that for sure. Um, I want to talk about the context of culture there because you you mentioned so many amazing things coming Mm -hmm. out of Mauna Kea you know we know that I don't know that there have been any births there yet but I'm sure (laughs) that the birth work community is deep up there because you know we understand the idea of being uh, showing up for things that are sacred Mm -hmm. um and I want to talk about how important culture is in general I mean the way that I think Mauna Kea was able to assemble so deeply and really inspire people so wholly was because in Hawaii it's really important to keep the culture alive yeah. and there are things that people respond to they've heard mm-hmm. these stories they are they know that this is important mm-hmm. you know that has just been a part of that yeah. growing up it's not questioned as much and that's so awesome that's yeah. such a beautiful thing i'm so grateful mm-hmm. to be able to be in a space that like that because it feels safer as someone who really feels like culture is significant it feels safer to be in a society that holds that reverence right yeah um and so i think that one of the ways that that is really maintained artfully and and purposefully here is like through practice through ceremony Mm -hmm. through language through um rites of passage you know and if we're looking at that model juxtaposed with the current popular like American model I think we butt up against capitalism again oh yeah 
I feel like it's just the what has what has replaced that specifically in relation to birth is just buying shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Right. If you buy all the right things and you're a good parent and you've provided for your child, um, right? Or you you know you got the right doctor, so you'll have the right birth. Right. <laughs> right. I don't know. Whatever that means. Uh, I mean, right. Then <laughs> does anybody even know what that means to consider? Right. That? I'm just like I don't. It sounds ridiculous to me but but I like you said I don't think people are stopping and even examining that mindset they don't see it that way right because that's what they're told they're they're told if you buy these things it will help you it will better you yeah and I think that that comes in on a number of layers like our our the most popular rite of passage around birth right now is a baby shower Mm -hmm. right that's what everybody Mm -hmm. thinks of and the whole thing there is playing some games and accumulating material (laughs) items like yeah that's what it's about did you get the right item you know that has a Mm -hmm. whole layer of like all these tiers that can give you some feedback about what your social standing is and who your friends are right which things that you feel like you deserve and what your community gets for you and i've definitely seen it as a point of contention in the home birth community right women who want home births are now asking for their midwifery fees or pools, you know, to be covered instead of buying clothes or other things for their babies. They're asking okay. just for monetary, you know, donations. Or um, I've even seen resistance where people want a cloth diaper and family refuses to buy cloth for them. Hmm. Um, yeah, like, I'm like, that's on their register. Like, that's what they want for their baby. What's, yeah. the, what's the deal? I've definitely heard of contention <laughs> around being able to choose what you want for your baby versus what other people want to buy for your mm-hmm. kid. Yeah. And I think that that's unfortunate in that, yeah. like, in reference to what you're saying, because that's an act of decolonization. Yeah. That's an act. And here in Hawaii, we'll see that more because there's sm- space is an issue. Mm-hmm. So people really don't want you to give them shit that they don't have space for and they don't yeah. need. And if you know that your birth is where you need the finances, I think it's great to ask for that. It's it's almost like providing a guide for your community about how to be a village. Like, yeah. okay, this is what we need. These are things that might otherwise have been done by the by your village in preparation for your birth. I've worked with local families who have received fish, fresh catch, mm-hmm. you know, pounds of frozen poi in in preparation for their birth and that's just what the community has done like all right you're gonna have your baby this season is upon us right now for for being able to fish these species and they'll be great for you to eat afterwards so make let's make sure that we fill the freezer of this family you know wonderful way to approach it oh my god drink a beer yeah a beer beer. (laughs) it's funny when people are like you drink i'm like yes See, once we get on a roll, there's just so much fucking stuff to talk about. Right. And it's funny because that part in particular, like, I definitely will get it in. And I noticed myself having a little bit of depression early in this pregnancy and really had to check myself on how, like, mm. I was getting, you know, like, all right, I had a beer. I probably don't need two whole beers. <laughs> right. And then, or, you know, maybe I can't. Two is probably okay, but, you know. Yeah. And then where are we going with this? <laughs> and then, like, notice it to where now... I'm noticing the, the pressure on my kidneys from dehydration, not from mm-hmm. drinking. Yeah. And just, you know, the Chaz bought some beer, and I was like, I'm going mm. right. to have to drink a whole water. bottle of water before I drink yeah. this shit. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> Can we record while it's uploading, or should we yes. switch? Okay. Yeah, no, it's, it's good. Um, yeah, with some final thoughts for this part of our episode. Um, 
around sufficiency yeah. and lack. Yeah. Um, we were talking about the whole rite of passage of, that is like um, baby showers and wanting to accumulate items and how people relate to your birth experience and your pregnancy via what they can give you, what you're prepared for. One of the popular ways that that manifests, right, is, oh my gosh, you're pregnant, what are you having? <laughs> I'm hoping for a human. <laughs> I feel pretty strongly yeah. like supported in assuming that that's what's gonna happen. Homo sapien. Homo sapien. <laughs> that's what I'm going with. I'm that's, going what with. I, that's what I'm having. <laughs> And beyond that, I don't fucking need to know the sex. I don't feel like you are entitled to know what's in my baby's pants. Mm. And I feel like the whole qu line of questioning is really fucking weird. And that is all around capitalism. It's all yeah. just so that you can decide what color scheme you want to go with. Right, yeah. And really also, what of course, you want to put your baby how to gender like, my child. But or that's, how you interact with your baby even, you right? Like, it goes a lot deeper than people think. Right. Um, and but once you start thinking about these things, it's just like a freaking rabbit hole. Rabbit um, hole. Yeah. Like seriously, like, like white supremacy is the conspiracy. Okay. <laughs> and decolonization is the answer. That is the perfect way to wrap it up. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> it's just like we've been we've been navigating our way around the issue, and, and we just have to let you know. <laughs> right. So. That's where we're coming from. <laughs> All right, you lovely people. Tune back right. in for the second half. We have so much more to explore. Yes, so excited. And thank you for joining us. Thank you guys so much for joining us for our very first episode of Decolonized Parenting and Other Dope Shit. If you liked what you listened to, be sure to like, subscribe, and share with all your lovers and friends. Please, please, please. Thank you. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook under the same name, Decolonized Parenting. Uh, and if you'd like to learn more about the Popolo Project, the Hawaiian Kingdom, Mauna Kea, check out the description um, for all of those links. We put links down there for you guys to learn more and to donate to the cause. So stay tuned for part two of our talk about birth sovereignty and resilience coming real soon. We had a little bit more that uh, Piper and I wanted to talk about, so we decided to split it into two episodes. Yeah, so uh, stay tuned for that. If you're following us on Instagram and Facebook, you will definitely see the updates. If you're subscribed to the podcast, you'll know as soon as our new episodes are released. So yeah, thanks again for joining us. Thank you so much for all the love and support that we've received. And uh, we hope to uh, catch you guys next time. Stay free, y'all.